Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, as we come to chapter 6, now again, we're working our way verse by verse by verse. Let me kind of quickly just kind of remind you what we've talked about, what, where, where, where we're going, okay? If, if you recall, Jesus, um, he's teaching about kingdom life. Okay. Matthew is writing in such a way that, that he's trying to get the Jews to realize that he's, he's the new king. He's on here. The kingdom is here. And, and so he's going to teach about kingdom life, right? We know this as the Sermon on the Mount. You'll hear people say, Hey, I'm teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. Well, this is the place, the Sermon on this Mount. This is a place where Jesus takes his disciples. Okay. That's us his disciples, and he's going to teach them how they should live, right? So he comes to chapter 5, and he says, okay, let me kind of give you the moral basis for life in his kingdom. And you go, Ben, I'm not sure what that means, chapter 5, the moral basis. Well, here's what it means, okay? As disciples, okay, as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, I don't mean that those who have prayed a prayer and nothing is changed and they go off on their life and they do their own thing. I'm not talking, I'm talking about those who go, I have the mindset, I'm a disciple. Here's what he's teaching the disciples, okay? He's teaching the disciples, guys, that you have first and foremost been fully transformed from within. That's what it is, okay? When you got saved, something happened on the inside, not the outside. The outside followed, but there was something in your in you. And what happened, guys, is now the outside, you begin to display godly values that you were expressed in a holy life that fulfills not just the letter of the law, but also the spirit. You're like, wow, this is what he's saying. He's saying something happened. This is what he say. This is what he said when you must be born again. He says that's something that happens from above. The problem is, guys, the problem in our world today is that we'll have pastors and preachers and priests and whatever say, hey, if you'll just pray this, you're saved. And, 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 and that's words alone aren't sufficient to save. It's got to be a heart. God tugging on your heart. Say, I'm not right. I got to be saved. I'm not right in his kingdom. Yeah, but I, but you grew up as a Christian. Yeah, a lot of us grew up as Christians, but we're not saved. Because God has to do that transforming work. It's not us. It's not us. And he says, okay, okay. So he says, this is what we need to do. Jesus comes on the scene. Okay, Jesus comes on the scene and he's teaching us. Okay, in chapter 5, that we've been flying upside down since Genesis chapter 3. You and I do not realize the impact of chapter 3. When sin entered the world and fractured everything. You see, you and I, we came a lot later. In the 60s and 70s and 80s, we were born, some of us a little bit earlier. But nonetheless, we came and we're like, okay, this is just, uh, but it had fractured everything. And we were flying upside down. 
But Jesus came on the scene at the right time and said, let me see, let me tell you how to fly right side up. Why? Right why? Because if we're flying upside down, we will eventually crash. And many men have crashed and been broken, never to return to follow Jesus. It's like, wow. Jesus says, no, 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 here, here it is, here it is. Even today, we notice that men, mankind, men, would put money, fame, fortune above the well-being of other men. We see that today. We don't care as long as I'm okay. I don't care as long as I make it. We don't. We see that today. We see that today. Guys, we're living in a world that is bombarded by sin. And evil, evil, evil seems to be rampant more than ever before. As a matter of fact, Satan is, is rearing and showing who he really is, and people, they still don't see it. They still don't see it. You and I, as believers, hold truth, hold very dear to the truths that are in the Word of God. This is how we live, by the Word of God. And men, mankind, will take the very truths that you and I hold dear and desecrate them. And expect you and I to go, okay, that's just, that's culture. That's how we live. That's how we live. They're taking the very things in God's word that you and I hold dear and sacred and the very things that he's so heartily against, not because God's a mean God, because he knows the consequences. He's a loving God. And they'll take them and they'll keep pushing them in your face, pushing them in your face, pushing them in your face, pushing it until we go, okay. What do we say? We accept. We accept. They keep moving the boundaries, yet we have the boundaries of the word of God. Guys, we learned, we learned that Jesus tells us Right? In chapter 5, we learned that if our righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, he says, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's an eye-opener. That really is the theme of the Sermon on the Mount. He's getting our attention. You guys understand that, right? This is not just like, yeah, yeah, Jesus was preaching something. I don't know what it was. It was we were there. We were just hoping he'd fed us. No, no, no. This is, this is like, whoa. Why? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the ones he's pulling. He's going, hey, listen, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not going into heaven. What? I don't know what to do now. What, do, what is, what is, what, what? And so then he goes on, right? You see, the point that he was making was that you and I needed to put our faith and trust in him so we could be found righteous. Guys, not in our own religion, not on our own background, but we putting our faith and trust in who God is. 
A lot of times we want to hold on to what we know, which is religion, which is the way we were brought up, which is culture. Well, this is how my mom and dad told me I was supposed to be, and so I've held on to that, and yet he's going, no, no, no. Listen, you need to put your faith and trust in God. That's how you're going to be found righteous. Now, put on your thinking caps, guys. Put on your thinking caps, because really the main theme for the Sermon on the Mount, which is all the way to chapter 7, is true righteousness. True righteousness. In other words, why would Jesus bring this up? Let me tell you, right? Okay, this is gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna step on some of, some toes. And you go, what do you mean? He brings this up to the Pharisees, to his disciples, because he says, there are too many religious people with an artificial, external righteousness. You're like, whoa, you go, Ben, um, what does that mean? It means, that they had an outward appearance of being righteous, but deep in their hearts, they were living a lie. That's what it means. Jesus is addressing them. He goes, listen, this is what's going on. Outward, they look so good. But inside, inside. So Jesus, very lovingly, guys, he comes to the scene and be begins to describe and teach what a true and vital righteousness looks like. This is what he looks like, okay? So he gathers his listeners, he gathers his disciples, and he begins to say, let me tell you what it means to live in true righteousness, in true righteousness. That was chapter 5. As we come to chapter 6 and 7, what he's going to do, he's going to take it a step further. He's going to describe the lifestyle, lifestyle, Okay, he's going to describe the lifestyle of those who live in his kingdom. Who's he talking to? He's talking to me. He's talking to you. He goes, okay, guys, let's talk about how we live. Let's talk about how we behave. Let's talk about what true righteousness looks like. Okay, because in chapter 5, he was going, okay, you've heard it said, don't murder. He says, but if you're mad at your brother... You're angry. It's the same as committing. So he's, he's just up the standard, but now he's going, but let's, let's, okay, let's talk about what it looks like to be a real Christian. Let's talk what it really means. Okay? So now we have in the Word of God a mirror, if you will, to, to again look at our life and go, okay, Lord, where am I in all this? And what he does is he's not looking going, well, Nathalie, you don't measure up. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You should just go in the corner. That's not what he's saying. He wants us to look at our hearts and go, oh, 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 I, I need to pray. I, I, I need to work on my prayer life. I, and he wants us to see this, guys. He wants to see this. And so he comes with a major emphasis in these chapters indicate that a person who lives in any age as a citizen of heaven would do this. Number one, would seek to please God who sees in secret rather than to please men who judge by what is public view. This is what he says. He says, listen, I want to look and I want to say, listen, here's, here's, what, here's how your lifestyle should be. I want you to seek to please God. That should be our goal. Every morning we get up, this should be your goal, that we get up to seek to please God. 
Seek to please God. Now, listen, I know the what ifs. Well, you don't understand. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know my boss. You don't know. Our goal, guys, right here is to seek to please the Lord. He also says, listen, a citizen of heaven will trust God completely to meet material needs. And so concentrate on his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, that hurts. Because there are times in my life where I did not trust the Lord to meet my material needs. I always asked the Lord, well, Lord, listen, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I, I should have paid, I should have given more money here. Oh, oh, and he's going, no, no. A, 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 a citizen of heaven should go, listen, the job he gave you, he gave to bless you, but not for you so that you can bless others. So that you can be, so you, so you can be a giver. You can just trust me. You can trust me. He's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about that. And then he says, now, a citizen of heaven should express trust in God in prayer. In prayer. By looking to him to meet every need. What's the matter with prayer? What's the matter with prayer? I'll tell you what the matter with prayer is. When we don't get answered the way we think it should be answered, we think that God, that, that prayer is just worthless. Well, you know, I prayed. I prayed, and this didn't happen. I prayed, and that didn't happen. I prayed, oh, God, this is the one for me. Oh, I'm so in love. And she broke my heart. If God is good, if God is great, how come? And, and, and so God doesn't answer the prayer the way we think, and so all of a sudden we don't trust him in prayer anymore, do we? We have what is called a fatalistic theology. A fatalistic theology is going, God's going to do whatever he's going to do. Why should I even pray? Why do I even care? And so you go out your life, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you should express trust in God in prayer, looking to him to meet every need. And last but not least, guys, he's going to, he wants us to act and obey the words of Jesus, which are the only sure foundation in the kingdom life. He wants us to act and obey. Act and obey. Some of us fight because we have a rebellious heart. And he says, I have so much better for you if you'll submit and you'll obey. But, but my God, and we do. We have a rebellious heart. I mean, think about that song, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, to leave the God I love. How many of us sing that? It seems like my heart is always prone to wander. This is the God who loves me. This is the God who sent his son to die for me. This is the God, and I'm like, no, why do I always want to fight him, fight against him? And again, he says, let's talk. Let's chat, Ben, because I want to I wanna make sure that you have, I mean, some good evidences of a real relationship. Good evidences, okay? Because today, here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn about giving. We're going to learn about giving, okay? So everybody take out your wallets right here. Take all, no, I'm just kidding. Take all the money out in it and 
We're going to learn about giving. We are going to talk about giving, guys. We're also going to learn about praying. Okay? And then we're going to learn about fasting. Now, remember, I called for an all-church fast. Okay? We're going to learn a little bit about this. Okay? Because why? Why would Jesus bring these three things up? I'll tell you why. Because it's going to reveal a great deal of our heart and our relationship with him. Okay? You guys ready? This is the mirror. This is the mirror. God, where's my heart? I want to be closer to you. Where's my heart in this? Where's my heart in this? Okay? Now, here's what you need to keep in mind before, um, here's what you need to keep in mind before we jump into our text. Okay? Jesus also warned about the danger of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. He's going to say that in verse 2, in verse 5, in verse 16. You go, what is hypocrisy? Well, hypocrisy is the sin of using religion to cover up sin. That's hypocrisy. Okay? The word hypocrisy actually means to put on a mask. You guys understand that. It doesn't mean that, oh, I fall short or I sinned or I said something um, ugly to my wife. I didn't mean it. I'm not talking about that because a lot of people will go, well, you go to that church. You must be, I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. I say, amen, join the club. But hypocrisy is not missing and and, and messing up because we're going to do that from time to time. I should have got a good amen on that. Hypocrisy is using what is putting on a mask. Is putting on a mask. It's trying to show that you're something different other than you really are. And that's what hypocrisy is. Now, here's what God does. He loves us so much that he wants to expose the hypocrisy in our hearts so we can get right. He wants to expose it. Hey, Ben. Yes, Lord. Um, you've got a mask on right there. Yeah, but see, I don't want people to know that I'm really... No, 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 Ben, listen, it's not about people. It's about my relationship with you. And, okay, Lord, okay, okay. But but I'm using my religion to cover up my sin. See, the, the mask, right? How many of us do this? How are you doing? Good, good, doing good. How are you? And we're not. Eva, it freaks us out when you go to somebody and go, how you doing? Horrible, I'm a mess. You're like, okay, good to see you. Didn't expect that. We don't. What do we expect? The go-to. The go-to, how you doing? Good, how are you? Even if we're not doing good, our go-to is good, how are you? Good, how you doing? Good. But when somebody's honest and you go, how you doing? Not good. Oh, he's going to tell me what's wrong, aren't you? I'm going to be here for an hour. I don't have time for this. I don't have time. Well, sorry, bro. But we do that, guys. We do that. We do that. Hypocrisy. Think about this. Hypocritos, putting on a mask. Back in the theater, okay, they used to have these big masks. Do you remember what they were? They used to have a big old smile. They'd put on a mask and he'd, be, he'd walk through with just a smile. You couldn't see his real face. He'd put on a mask. If he was sad and the scene called for a very sad scene, the mask wouldn't be a happy face, it'd be a sad face. And that's how the theater went. It didn't matter how you felt, Reina. It didn't matter what you were feeling inside or how you played the part. You just put on the mask. That's what he's going to talk about. That's what he's going to talk about. Okay? The right, the, the Pharisees, guys, the righteousness of the Pharisees was insincere and dishonest. 
because they practice their religion, check this out, for the applause of men, not for the reward of God. This is what they did. This is what they did. But Jesus tells us true righteousness comes from within. And we should test ourselves to see whether we're sincere and honest in our Christian commitment to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. The point is, is God's heart isn't going, out, out, you, no, mm-mm, you're, he's going, let me show you where, where you're falling short so that you can make that commitment because I have so much more for you. Man, I, I love you so much more. I want your marriage to succeed. I want to speak a word to you. I want you to grow in the grace and knowledge of me. That's what he's saying right here, guys. So he wants to expose our heart, not in a mean and ugly way, but so that we can walk closer to him. That's the point. Now, if you're taking note, here's what we're going to talk about. Let's talk about giving. Okay? Giving. I knew it. All the churches do is talk about giving. No, jot this down. I want to talk about time, talent, and money. Or we'll call it time, talent, and tithe. Giving. Okay? Then I want to talk about praying. I want to talk about praying. And then, last but not least, we're going to talk a little bit about fasting. Okay? Now, we have a lot of work to do. So let's jump into chapter 6. It's going to say something, if you have a King James Version or a New King James Version, it's going to say alms. Alms, okay? And giving to the alms was basically to the poor. It was giving money. It was trying to help the poor. He's going to talk about fasting. These were all... These were all very important important disciplines uh, in the religion of the Pharisees, okay? Jesus didn't come and condemn this practice. He didn't come and say, stop doing that. The Pharisees are doing that. You guys are crazy. Stop it. He doesn't do that, but he does caution. You ready? This is going to get deep. He does caution that our hearts are right as we practice them. Why do you do what you do? See, the Pharisees used almsgiving to gain favor with God and attention to men. That's what he did, which were the wrong motives. Now, you guys are so amazing. I know you never do anything with the wrong motive. You never give, you never pray or anything with the wrong. You guys got great hearts. You never get your wallet out and go, hey, giving to the poor, giving. Look, God, here we go. Here, here's a 20 to the, to the poor. Here, look. Do you, do you see this one? 20. We never did that. Okay? Bro, why'd you give him 20 bucks? Because God said if I give, he'll give, he'll bless me with 100. No. He's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about that. So, let's jump in. You ready? Let's talk about our giving. Because I want my heart right. I want my heart right when it comes to money. I want to know. He says in verse 1, he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Okay? Now, if you have a pencil handy, go ahead and circle that word for charitable deed because here's what it means. Righteous acts before men. Righteous acts before men. You go, okay, well, what the, what could that mean? You ready? It could mean anything from giving money to the poor. That's a righteous act. 
It could mean um, fasting so people notice. Okay? So, guys, we, we called an all-church fast to pray for those that are sick in our body. Don't display it. Oh, I'm just fasting for, Be- for Bethany. I'm just, I haven't eaten in four days. I'm so, spe- don't do that. That's a righteous, that's what he's saying. It, it, you, you want to do that. How about this? How about praying in such a way for people to think better of you? We all know that person. There are some people that can pray out loud. You see their angel's wings. I mean, they pray so good. You're like, wow. That's not what he's saying. This is charitable charitable deeds. He says, take heed. Listen up. Guys, pay attention that you don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, to be seen by them. Okay, Jesus is reminding us that we are not to do things, ready, for people to admire us. Or so people go, oh, wow, what a great person you are. What a great, wow, that's, a, that's amazing. He, you know what he just said? He said, if you do, that's your reward. That's your reward. Wow, Ben, did you just give 20 bucks to that, that, that homeless guy? Sure did. That's my reward right there. Wow, you're amazing. You're amazing. I know. God's gonna, God's gonna enjoy this too. God's like, no, that's your reward. That was it. That was it. Guys, we are so careful. We are so careful about when a compliment comes, and, and, and yes, we need to be gracious. Man, what a great talent you have. Thank you for leading us into worship. But we have to be so careful because when you do something, man, Pastor Ben, that was an amazing servant. The moment I say, thank you, that was it. We want to be gracious, but what do we do? We go, praise God. Praise God. And if we walk away going, oh, God can't do this without me. That's your reward. Guys, that's your reward. I don't want to lose any reward from heaven. I don't want to lose any reward from heaven. Guys, think about it. Think about giving. Let's talk about money for just a moment. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about time and I'm going to talk about telling, but just talk. Listen, at Calvary Chapel, guys, when it comes to giving, we have always been, for the last 18 years, used agape boxes. Boxes in the sanctuary. Now, Throughout the years in Calvary Chapel, that's how we were taught. But there have been some churches, some bigger churches, that actually passed the plate. That's between them and God. I get it. But for us, we've always done that. We said, here we go. We're going to put this. It's going to be between you and God. And you go, well, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you go traditional and have somebody pass the plate? Here's why. We've always believed that giving should be an act of worship between you and God. Worship. You see, worship, we, we, we get this mindset of worship coming in and going, it's the music before the message, that's worship. Hey, don't miss worship. That's not worship. That is worship, but it's not all worship. When you come on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Monday morning, whatever it might be, and you worship God, it encompasses everything. And so we go, okay, here's, here's, here's what we do at Calvary. Here's your giving. It's a box. 
It's a box. That's worship. That's worship. Guys, we should be so well fed that when we give our money, we should give hilariously going, yes, God, this is amazing. Not begrudging. God gave it all of it, all to us. He gave all of it to us. Every bit of it. Every, all the blessings he's given you, you should be freely giving. He'll tell you what to do with your money. But we should have a heart that goes, man, I'm ready to give. I'm ready to give. Sometimes, when we get a little extra money, a little extra bonus, we think, oh, what can I do? Okay, I can fix my house. I can do this. I can do... When our heart should be, who can we help? Who, who, what, what can we do? What can we do? Now, listen, listen. When you put it in the box, that's between you and God. Okay? So many people have said, listen, I'm giving the church a check, but I want it to go here, 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 and you make sure they take it, but I just want the tax write-off. No, that's you drop it in. God is going to put it in the heart of the pastor and the leadership of what it needs to go to. That's what we need to understand. But we never want ever to have a, and I saw it, I saw it on TV the other day. They have services where they put a, a, a basket here, and I say, all right, time for your tithes and offerings, let's sing. You know, and people come up and they drop their tithes and offerings in there. So they, you see them, and what do you do? Come on, be honest. You're sitting in a chair and you're watching, oh, well, that person's giving, that person's giving, that, oh, that person's giving. And then you wonder how much they give. And then they used to have a big ceremony. And they would do this. Look what I got. Ladies and gentlemen, $10,000. Yeah. You should do. And, and again, what does it do? That's his reward right there. That's not what God has called us to do, guys. That's why at Calvary, guys, we will never have a service which men can admire you running up the aisle. This should always be a place where we admire and worship God. It should always be. That's that's the point, okay? So, again, think about it. Think about it. Now, while I have your attention, guys, let's chat for just a moment. You go, why? Because I'm not certain we, we really understand this principle. I believe that there have been so much abused in giving in the church that nobody wants to talk about it. Oh, we don't, we don't talk about it, you know? And, and again, if we're going to get the whole counsel of God... We need to address it in the church. But let me remind you, it's not only money. It's your time. How can I serve? How can I serve Pastor Ben? How can I serve the church? How can you serve God? With your talent. What has God gifted you to do? Right? Now, let's be careful because we don't want to say, well, I serve at the church. I'm not going to give money. That's like money. No, you, the tithe is, is giving what God has given you, your talent and your time. But let's talk. Let's chat, guys. Let's chat because I want you to get out of here and just and, and truly understand exactly what's going on. For the most part, most people in church today understand what a tithe is. Okay? A tithe is an Old Testament concept, 10% of your income 
before taxes. Nobody, nobody laughed at that one. Before taxes, right? But should I? You're right, because Uncle Sam gets his, and you go, well, listen, let me just tithe on my... No, it's before. You get $10 an hour, you work 40 hours a week, how much is that? $400. What's your tithe? $40. Yeah, but FICA and all this take off, and so the bottom line is, is, is I only get 280 so I'm going to give 28 No. You see, it's a, it's a godly principle, okay? And then you'll have people raise their hand going, well, that's Old Testament, Ben. I don't believe in a tithe because it's not taught in the New Testament. How many of you ever heard that? Okay? You know what Jesus teaches in the New Testament? A hundred percent. That's what he does. He says, give it all to God. And then he'll direct you what you're supposed to do with the money. But you should be willing. I'll take ten. I'll take 10, God. I'll I'll take the 10. I like Old Testament. But if you're really serious, the Old Testament is not only 10%, but if you do your math, it's 23.5%. What? Yeah, if you go through and you want to be really strict to the letter, it's 23.5% that you should be giving out of your paycheck to the church. Well, where do we get 10%? Here's the point, guys. The point is, this is 10%, but I've got to tell you, I am so proud of y'all. I really am. From day one, guys, we have always, always, always paid our bills. We've never been late on our rent. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. COVID really threw us back a lot. But that's that was a weird pandemic, people, blah, blah, blah. But it but it threw us back more than we were used to. You guys understand that. But for the most part, you guys give, you give wholeheartedly, and I am amazed. I'm amazed. And you know what? I got to be honest with you. God always challenges me in this regard. Always. Because I'll get the bottom line and I'll go, uh, we had $157 today. Okay. And then all of a sudden, there'll be an online give from somebody, and it'll be a thousand or two. And I'm like, I knew it all the time, God. <laughs> yeah, I, you, got, you know what I'm saying? He always challenges me. But guys, listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. When we give, we should be giving with all of our heart unto the work of the Lord. Unto the work of the Lord. He gives you the ability to make money. He gives you the ability. What you make right now, God knows. He's not surprised. He's not going, oh, I didn't know only Alex made that. I can't believe Oh, hey, Gabriel, get over here. Did you know that? And he, That's how we feel like, right? God goes, no, no. Here's what I'm going to do. Watch, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. And then God blesses your socks off. Anybody ever have their socks blessed off by God? And you think you're dying? Right? You think, what's, what's going, why, why is, why am, somebody sent me, I'm gonna die. I'm dying soon. I'm dying soon. Right? Linda, I'm dying soon, cause, no, God says, no, you know what? You have been faithful. I just wanna bless you. I just wanna bless you. I just wanna bless you. 
Guys, the Jews, the Jews in this, guys, they, they, they weren't buying into the tithing thing. They were not. As a matter of fact, God calls them on it, right? He uses Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Here's what he says. Will man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? How does he, how do we rob God? What's the last one? In tithes and offerings. That's the last thing I want to do is rob God. I want to rob God. True confession. True confession time. There used to be a time in my life where I didn't pay tithe. Okay? There used to be a time. Life was really, really hard. Ends didn't seem to meet. I could not. And I remember learning. I remember. I knew the principle. But I I was just like, ah, Lord, you know. And the Lord's like, no, you need to give. God, you just, you don't understand. No, I purpose to give no matter how hard it was. And I'll tell you what, our lives changed immediately. They really did. They really did. And I remember, wow. We don't want to stray from this principle. This is what he's saying. Okay? This is what he's saying. Now, what we need to understand is we need to understand the difference between a tithe and an offering. Okay, because a lot of people go, well, I'll just give an offering. A tithe, guys, is 10. Let's just go 10. Okay, you, you cool with that? Let's go 10 before taxes of what you make each week or every two weeks. That's what you should give to the church. Now, let me just say this. This is not, <laughs> this is not a pay as you go. You understand? Well, I didn't go to church. Like, I mean, this is, listen, if you're part of the church, you're, you're a disciple, whether you can, you come, like say you miss a Sunday, you go, well, I wasn't there, so I don't have to pay. No, we were here. We still had lights. We still, you understand that. We give, we just continually give. But it's not like, well, I'm not sure if I really enjoyed the show today. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I enjoyed, I don't, I don't, I'll give 20 bucks. I'll give 20 bucks. No, you give unto the Lord hilariously, and, and, and that's great. If you're a visitor, we don't require tithe. We don't say, hey, you need to give a tithe. But maybe God puts in your heart an offering. And an offering could be for anything. We could say, hey, we need an offering. An offering could be like, hey, man, God blessed me. I'm going to give an extra 50, 100, 200, 5,000, 10,000. I don't care what it is. That's an offering. You say, that's above, above, above our tithes. That's an offering. That's what we should be giving. Okay? So that's a big difference. Okay, it's above and beyond a tithe. What do you do with an offering? We might give it to orphanages. We might help the poor, the homeless. We might say, hey, listen, we're, we're, we're collecting to put another staff member on, whatever it might be, but that is amazing. When we acquired the, the, the long time ago, we acquired the, the beauty shop that we made into our children's ministry. I said, guys, it's going to take five grand to build it out. That's an offering. People gave to that offering. I actually had one person tell me, well, I'll give $1,000 if we could put a name up there. And I said, no, we can't put a name. It belongs to the Lord. You know, you know how people are. Well, we'll give X amount if we can name the wing after a, after a person. Or, and I get that they want to honor a person. But at this church, who do we honor? God. We honor God. 
If you go, Ben, well, how should we do it? Verse 2. Therefore, when you do your charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you give a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. Your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. This is how we should do it. He said, listen, guys, when you're going to give and you're going to do all of this stuff, whether it's time telling or tithe, here's what we should do. We should not be like the what? Hippocritos. Do you realize in the temple, they actually had a bell or a trumpet? And all of a sudden, ding, 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 ding. Everybody in the temple area went, oh, wow. That's what he's getting to. Everybody understood that. He says, no, no, listen. He says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Well, guys, we know if this hand knows what this hand is doing, we're not. So what does he mean? Here's what he means. You ready? He says this, okay? It's, it, it implies intentionally quiet. Intentionally quiet. You put it in the, go- bo- the box, you walk away, you leave it, nobody knows. Wow. Wow. Our giving is to be, if possible, even hidden from ourselves. Now, married people, do not give money without consulting your wife. You gotta tell them, hey, sweetie, this is what God's put in my heart. I just want you to know, but I don't want anybody in the church to know, this is just, this is what I want to do. Okay. Okay. Make sure you're on the same page. Make sure you're on the same page. Jesus is speaking about charitable deeds, giving money. But I think about our time. What about our time? Well, I'm so busy. But we got to give God our time. And I think we need to give God more than just 10% of our time. We need to give God all that he asks of us. But he also tells us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So if you can't do something, say no. Don't say yes and not show up. Well, what happened? Well, the day got away. Just go, listen, I can, I can't, amen. But give of your time. Give of your talent. Find where your talent is and give unto the Lord. Find where your talent is. Now, there's a lot of people who go, I'm not really gifted in children's ministry, but I'll help. I get that. We need help. Okay? But there is a gift that God has given you. And what we need to do is we need to develop that so you understand where how you can best glorify God in the body of Christ. That's where you should be serving. That's where you should be serving. With your time and your talent and your tithe. What about praying? Let's, jump, let's go to verse 5. This is how we pray. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Uh, surely I say to you, here's what Jesus says, they have their reward. They have their reward. Okay? Now, before we break this down, guys, we need a good grasp on prayer. Things like, what is prayer? Or how should I pray? Well, the New Living Translation in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, let me just give you a really simple, a real simple 
This is how we should pray. You ready? Will you just speak what's on your heart to God? Just speak what's on your heart to God. And what I mean by that is when you pray, talk to God, not men. Okay? Talk to God. Not... Guys, sometimes when we pray, we pray for men to hear us. Okay? We pray so that people might think we're more spiritual. Father God, in the name of Jehovah Jireh, more... you know, and we start praying and, and it's like, no, I'm praying to impress you. I'm not praying to God. When some of the simplest prayers in Scripture is what? Lord, help! Save me, God. That's what prayer is. It's just, it's just expressing your heart to God and knowing who God is. This is, this is what he's saying. And if you're a note taker, guys, Jesus gave us four instructions to guide our praying. You go, what is that? Number one, he says, we must pray in secret before we pray in public. Okay, look at verse six. He says, but you, talking to his disciples, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret place, and your father who sees in secret will, what, reward you openly. Now, here's what's real important, okay? Here's what you need to do. Circle that word for your room, because I know what you all are thinking. Oh, yeah, I saw a movie. It's called War Room. That's my war room. We're going to my war room. Actually, the, the, the original term is this. It means a, hard, a highly guarded room with supply and treasure. Okay? It's a highly regarded room. This is this. When you go into your highly guarded, it's something you guard because it has all of your treasure and your supply, that's where you should pray. And I find it interesting because prayer is really simple, right? It's, it's what? It's about supply and treasure. And it's like, wow. So he says, go into that secret place. Go into that secret place. You know where I have a lot of supply and treasure? In my own heart. So I don't need to go into the closet of my house and close the door where there's a bunch of clothes and shoes and everything and pray. God knows I can pray. And I can pray honestly going to the grocery store. This is how we pray. This is how we pray. He says, but you also must pray sincerely. Look at verse 7. When you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathens do. Why? For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For the Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Pastor Ben, what does that mean? Guys, Sometimes we just pray. We just pray the same things over and over and over. And, and we just ask. And we think that a lot of words is going to get God's attention. Here's what I love. He already knows what I need. He just wants me to come to him like, like a kid to a dad. Dad. Abba. I'm hurting. I'm broken. Fix my marriage. Fix my relationship with my, with my in-laws. Fix my relationship with my father, with my mother. Fix my relationship. God, I need you. I'm broken, God. I'm broken. God, I praise you. You're amazing. God, I'm a teenager in a, in a, in a crazy world. Go with me. Order my steps. Help me. This is what he's saying. We, we pray, we pray sincerely, God. It's also, it's very sincere. It's very sincere. And then he says in, in, look at verse nine. In this manner, pray. 
Therefore, pray. How do, he gives us a model of prayer. Now, here's what we need to understand. We can't take this and use this, although there are times we can take it and use it. But it, what I want you to write in your Bibles is this is a model. This is a model of prayer. What is it? He says, our Father. Here's what I want you to know. Notice the word our. It's our Father. Guys, we're all one family. And if we're family, I don't need to impress you. Nor do you need to impress me. We're family. We're family. Our Father. Okay, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is how God told us to pray. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Notice the model. Notice the structure. It starts with the adoration of God. That's how prayer should always start, with the adoration. Okay? God, hallowed is your name. You're amazing. Be careful that we don't just go in prayer. I'm praying just to the men upstairs. No, God is God. He, he, is, he is amazing and it's adoration. Then it moves to the acknowledgement of his will, not ours. Listen, you were saved to do his will, not yours. His will. This is what you're praying. But I love the fact that it allows us to petition him next. In other words, God's like, don't ask! And he's like, go ahead, ask. Here's my petition. But then it always ends, guys, notice, with the praise to God. Think about your prayer life. Does it start with adoration? Does it ask for his will? If we can be honest in church, a lot of my prayers don't sound like that at all. A lot of my prayer, Lord, please do this and do that, and don't forget this, and don't forget that, and please do this and do that. Oh, yeah, and if you have time, could you do this? Amen. That's our prayer. We forget who God is, and we should always start with adoration. God, you're amazing. You're, oh, wow, Lord. And then, and then it moves to, Lord, your will be done. We trust you in this. Oh, by the way, Lord, here's my petition. Here's my heart. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Alex, but it doesn't always end up that way, does it, Alex? Sometimes your prayer doesn't end up how you think it should be, but we should always praise God because we have to trust the sovereignty of Almighty God who loves you deeply. And in Him is no darkness. Guys, He's not like us. He doesn't, not sitting in heaven with ill motives going, oh, watch, Ben, I'm going to just knock him on his socks and he'll learn to trust me. He's not doing that. He's going, man, I have so much for you. I have only the best for you. Do you trust me? Sometimes I have to trust God with a lot of tears. I have to trust God, and it doesn't end up. It doesn't, I have to trust God. They told me six years ago, my wife had breast cancer, and you know what I heard? She's dying. She's gone. That's what I heard. How are you going to praise God when you find out your wife has? How are you going to praise God? You have to praise God because he is good. He is good. I have to, church, help me. I have to get my eyes off myself and onto who God is if I'm ever going to bring glory to his his name. I have to get eyes off me. And when we pray, notice what he said, guys. 
we have to have a forgiving spirit towards others. Look at verse 14. He says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Notice what it says. We should always have a heart to forgive. Listen to me. I want justice when it comes to other people. But when it comes to me, I want mercy. No, 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 no. I should always have a heart to forgive. Any of us struggle with that? Don't raise your hand. But we struggle with forgiveness, do we? We struggle with forgiving people who've hurt us. Listen, I'm not asking that you have dinner with the person who really hurt you and you become BFF. What I'm saying is that we have, good Lord, I want to forgive because I know how much you've forgiven me. I want to have a heart to forgive. I struggle in forgiving that. Will you please help me? I like what uh, Corey Ten Boom said. I can't, but God, you in me can. Forgive. Help me forgive. Help me forgive. Let me just say this in these last days, guys. Let's, let's have a heart of forgiveness. Even in the little things, because, because time is short. And I don't want to walk around bitter, and I don't want to walk around angry, and I don't want to walk around. You know, just purpose to forgive. Okay, right now, the Lord's going to put somebody in your heart that you need to forgive. It's in your mind. That's when we go, okay, Lord, I need to do that. And it may not have been a harsh thing. It may not have been a hard thing, but it's, it's that one where you're just holding on to something, and, he, and that person that the Lord put in your mind right now is going, okay, Lord, that's the I, He put it in mine. I know, my, I know who. I know me. Okay, Lord, I need to purpose. I need a purpose. I need to have a heart of forgiveness. It wasn't even that big of an offense, but it hurt. I need to forgive. Okay, last but not least, guys, let's do fasting. Last two, last two verses. Okay? Let's talk about fasting. The only fast that God actually required of the Jewish people was on the annual Day of Atonement. You understand that, Okay? The Pharisees, though, they fasted each Monday and Thursday. You can find that in Luke chapter 18. And did so in a way that people knew they were fasting. Let's stop right there because let's talk about fasting for just a moment, okay? I think this is a lost art in the church. People don't, we we pray, well, let's pray. I'm praying for you. I'm praying. Now, let me just say this about praying. If you're going to tell somebody you're praying for them, please pray for them. It's so easy to go, I'm praying for you, Rosa. And then Rosa's going, thank God, I feel them. And then, oh, did, I forgot to pray for Rosa. <laughs> Sorry. Just pray right away. God, I pray for Rosa. I pray. I pray for Jim. And just pray. Pray for Joe and Beverly and, Be- and Bethany and pray. But fasting, fasting, guys, when you fast, your spirit becomes uncluttered by the things of this world and amazingly sensitive to the things of God. Listen, food. Let's fast food. Not fast food, but fast food. Well, pastor, I'm diabetic. I can. I have to eat. I understand that. But what, what do we need to fast? 
Hey, let me ask you a question, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but I know that sometimes it happens in my life. What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Is it? I mean, seriously, is it? Is this, I mean, is it like, oh, I just, hmm, okay. Maybe we need to fast that. Maybe we, we do. Some of you are great. You put the phone away, you don't even care. That's the thing about my wife. She didn't bother, the phone doesn't bother her. I could be calling her a hundred times. She's, oh, I left it over there. The rest of us are like, my precious. Right? But fasting, guys, is not so that I can move the hand of God, but so that he can speak to me so clearly. God is going to heal Bethany. I know that. It's gonna, it's a journey. And God is teaching y'all. And God is teaching Joseph. I get it. God is, I, I trust the will and sovereignty of God. But fasting is gonna go, okay, God, we need to make sure that we're praying and we're trusting you for a miracle. He wants us to get so uncluttered. In our minds. This is what he says. This is what he said. Okay? It's not mainly doing without food for a time. That's dieting. Everybody been on a diet? That's dieting. Biblical fasting is refraining from food, television, internet, social media for spiritual purpose. I want to draw close to God. Now, let me tell you, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. You take a, I mean, right now, nobody's thinking of food. Okay, now you're thinking of food because I said you're not thinking of food. But to be honest with you, if you fast, you can smell food five miles away. Somebody's making tacos. Somebody's making, I know it. That's carne, asada, I know. That's how we are, aren't we? And then the sad part about that is that nobody brings you anything until you fast. Oh, by the way, I made these for you. (laughs) Right? That's how they are. I mean... Where were you last week when I could eat donuts? Well, I just thought of you today. Man, I can smell Reese's. Man, when I'm fasting, I can smell Reese's peanut butter cups a mile away. I'm telling you. That's a, somebody has, a, somebody has candy. Somebody has chocolate. I know it. It's hard. But then the Lord breaks through. And wow. Wow. Why do you think the enemy does that? Why do you think? Think about, think about social media fasting for just a moment. Just think about it for a minute, okay? Think how much better off we'll be. Just think about how your brain would just take a rest. Because you're so tired of seeing so-and-so with their food. Boy, they Pinterest that all the time. It's just so amazing. That's not how they eat. They're just taking a picture, right? And so, and, and so I just, man, news. Any news junkies in here? Don't raise your hand. News junk, take a fast from news. I don't want to know what's going on in the world for a day. I don't want to know. Well, what if the world falls apart? You'll know. You'll know, but trust the Lord. You, you, you guys, we, we need to do that, right? So, so again, think about what he says. Think about what he says. He says, moreover, look at 16. When you fast, Okay, it's for spiritual purposes. She says, don't be like the hypocrites. What do they do? With their sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to, to men to be fasting. He goes, you've had your reward. He says, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, 
so that you don't appear to be fasting. But to your father who sees in secret, you, your father in secret will open you, uh, reward you openly. Now think about this. He was saying, these guys used to be like this. I mean, they disfigured their face. And people go, oh, you're fasting. Oh, so spiritual. He says, that's your reward right there. You get up in the morning, please wash your face. Comb your hair, brush your teeth. Be gracious. Hey, do you want to go out to eat? It's okay. No, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm fasting. Well, you're not supposed to tell anybody. No, it's okay to just say, look, I'm, I'm trying to walk closer to the God, to the Lord this week. We'll, we'll, I'll get you next week. Let your wife know if you're fasting so she doesn't make all this food and you're like, ah, just say, sweetie, I'm, I want to go see the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast this week. I mean, it's, it's important, but you understand the principle. You don't, you go, well, you're not supposed to tell anybody yet because you don't want to, you don't want to look like you're prideful in front of them. And like Nathalie goes, my husband is so spiritual. He just fasts all the time. Wow. No. The thing about it, she goes, okay. And she could either join me or she'll eat her food. You, you, you understand? I mean, it's okay. It's okay. And please, if God begins to speak to you, that's between you and the Lord. You don't go, well, here's what God told me. You know what? And I'm just so spirit. It's okay. Fasting. Okay. Fasting. This is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, when you do it, guys, just anoint your head and you're walking with Jesus. And he says, God will see you. And he'll reward you openly. How is he going to reward me? Because we think of reward going, woohoo, but, but he'll speak to you in what you need to, wow, wow. What the Lord is trying to get to us, guys, is these are three good evidences of, of a real relationship. What's that? That there's no disconnect between our wallet, our time, our talent. We're here for the Lord. We love Jesus, man. Are you kidding me? Everything I have is his. Are you kidding me? I love Jesus. When you go to the grocery store, if God prompts your heart, pay for their groceries. If you go to the restaurant, God prompts, be sensitive. Praise God. Praise God. When it comes to praying, we're not praying so that people can, can wow, but we're praying. And you know what? When you pray with somebody at Walmart, you say, hey, can we pray with you? It does it. Listen, you know what? Let's, let's talk about prayer for just one second, okay? Because this is what came to mind. Let's be careful on prayers. You understand that? Be careful who you ask to bless the food. Because sometimes they go and they're praying for all kinds of people. You mean, right, the food is hot. Will you bless the food, brother? Yes. Lord Jesus, we pray. And all of a sudden, you're praying with them. Right? And they keep going. Brother, help me out here. Then they keep going. And then all of a sudden, you're not praying with them. You're praying for them. Lord, please let them stop. Please. The tortillas are getting cold. Lord, please. And then they keep going. And then you're not only praying for them, you're praying against them. In the name of Jesus, stop. Because we're praying for, we're praying for the Africans. We're praying for, for these people in, all over the world. And we're just, listen, if someone asks you to pray for the food, what do we do? Pray simple. Lord Jesus, bless the food. Thank you. You provided. You're amazing. Bless our fellowship. Amen. Just a real simple, real simple. That's what he's saying. But these are evidences of a true disciple. 
a true disciple. These are evidences. This is how we should behave. This is who we are. Can I get an amen? amen. Father, we thank you tonight, or today, God, for your word. We thank you for the truth, God, just showing us and growing us, Lord. And uh, we thank you, God, for forgiving. Lord, we thank you for praying, trusting you, sharing my heart with you. And we thank you for fasting, God, from refraining, refraining from the things, guys, so that we can walk closer to you. Lord, we've learned these things. I pray we would now put them in practice. That's our prayer. So that we can walk in newness of a relationship with you. So thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.